everything, everything, everything gonna be all right this morning. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Good morning. Welcome to RP3 and Company. I'm your big, bald, and beautiful host, Raymond Parts III. Of course, I'm joined inside the game studios by the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names. We have a tremendous show lined up for you today. What a weekend it was. College World Series comes to an end as the Ole Miss Rebels win their first national championship in program history. Lord Stanley's Cup was hoisted on the ice last night as the Colorado Avalanche close out the series, ending Tampa Bay Lightning's run as the champs. Not to mention Houston Astros and the New York Yankees battled it out in an epic four-game series. Man, I hope. That's what, as a baseball fan, we can expect to see come October. I said these are the two best teams in baseball. It feels like they're on a collision course for the ALCS. And after this weekend, I'm even more convinced of that. Both teams have issues as they were exposed in this four-game series that was split. Yankees winning two their two games in walk-off fashion thanks to leading MVP candidate Aaron Judge. But the Astros nearly no-hit no them twice. Astros need a little help in the bullpen, in particular a left-handed arm. That's what my, my biggest takeaway over the weekend. And on top of all that, it was Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame weekend as we inducted a new class, including the late, great Tony Robichaux. Lots to get to, and we're going to tackle it all for you here on RP3 and Company. we got three great guests lined up for you. Jeff Palermo, man was on vacation last week, got him back. Co-host of Tiger Rag Radio and the new sports director for the Louisiana Radio Network will be joining us at straight up 7.30. Talk the latest about LSU. Big, huge hire over the weekend. Jay Johnson decided, hey, I've had my coaches poached. Let me go to the show. That's right. Let me go to the big leagues and go take a guy and have him quit his major league baseball job to come be an assistant coach at LSU. We'll talk about that and all things LSU, including some recruiting, with our buddy Jeff Plaramo at 7.30. At straight up 8 o'clock, Josh Helmer will rejoin us here on RP3 and Company. He's the co-host of the Locked On Sooners podcast. Boomer Sooner came up short in the College World Series as they were unable to become the first program, athletics department, if you will, to have a baseball and softball program win the national title in the same season. But is this Oklahoma program here to stay? Is this a breakthrough season? And is this going to be a formidable team once it enters the Southeastern Conference in less than two years. We'll talk to Josh about that at 8 o'clock. And then at 
making his RP3 and company debut. Brett Chancy, co-host of the Locked On Astros podcast, will be joining us talking about that tremendous weekend that we just witnessed between the Strohs and the Yankees and give us a little bit of a preview of the two-game set that the Strohs have to begin on Tuesday against the New York Mets as they remain in New York. Now they're going to be going from the Bronx over to Queens, but they'll get today off. Of course, we'll take your phone calls. Game hotline is always open. Love to hear from you. You want to touch on the big things of the weekend, feel free to do so. You want to ask us anything, feel free to do that as well. Hotline's open, 337-706-0111. That's 337-706-0111. Let's start off with the College World Series. Cinderella got it done. Oklahoma was, felt like a team of destiny. But if you rewind it, when this whole thing started for the College World Series, I told you there was two teams I liked a lot. From the SEC, I liked Ole Miss. Non-SEC team, I liked Notre Dame. I was only half right. Rebels win it. And just think about this for a second. They were the last team in the field. 60-plus teams made the field. Four at each regional site. You have to take your automatic qualifiers, which are your conference tournament champions, and then you add based on RPI or whatever the criteria may be to fill in the rest of the spots. Almost was the last team. The very last spot. The Rebels got it. People felt that they didn't deserve to get the final spot. They said other teams may be more deserving. And and don't forget that this was a season where Ole Miss fans were ready to show Mike Bianco the door. They had lofty expectations to start the season ranked in some publications, high as number three, but at least top five. They stumbled out of the gate. They looked disorganized, looked overwhelmed at times, looked disinterested if we're being perfectly frank. And at the midway point of the season, there was no talk whatsoever of Ole Miss being a national title contender. In fact, the conversation was Ole Miss appears to be finishing last in the SEC West, and Mike Bianco in his 22nd season at the helm of the program is going to be kicked out the door. Time for a change. He's lost the team. He's lost the program. Time to go. Yet, credit the Rebels and credit Bianco, the former star LSU catcher back in the day for Skip Bertman, for turning it around. They never gave up. They never stopped believing. Sorry, now you have journey in your head for the rest of the day. My apologies. 
and they finished strong. That included a sweep of LSU and Baton Rouge for the first time in program history. They beat quality teams down the stretch. Now, their SEC tournament appearance was early. They were one and done. And that made people believe, I don't think Ole Miss is going to get in now. But they did. And they sneak in. Last team in the field of 64. And what do they do? They just go on a magical run. First in the core, Gables Regional as they are the team that eliminated Miami, the top seed, your regional host. They get through that, beating Arizona as well, another perennial national power. So they took out two of them in that regional alone, Arizona and Miami. Then they have to go and play in their own state, but as the road team, because Southern Miss had won its regional, defeating LSU, and they were going to host a Super Regional for the first time. Ole Miss said, that's adorable. We're going to blank you 15 to nothing in two games. Peace. I, I mean, national powers, national seeded teams, done. Regional, super regional round, did not matter. Southern Miss was a national seed. And then Ole Miss just kept it coming when they got to Omaha. It, it never slowed down. For the Rebels. They had the one hiccup of losing to Arkansas. They defeated Arkansas. They defeated Auburn. Auburn then Arkansas to begin play there at the College World Series. They advance to the semis. Arkansas advances. Beats them to force a winner-take-all game, which Ole Miss wins. So they get three games, three wins against the SEC West. And they advance. And they have to throw their ace in that winner-take-all game against Arkansas last week just to get to the championship series, best two of three. In Oklahoma, they were already waiting. They had an extra day of rest. As Boomer Sooner went through the bracket as well as a road team in a regional and super regional as well. But Ole Miss, it didn't matter. It didn't matter. The Rebels sweep, sweep Oklahoma. Now, they were close games. The game that forced the dog pile there inside the stadium in Omaha was only a 4-2 victory. And it started off strong for both teams. As you had great pitching through the first, what, five innings? Five and a half innings? Ole Miss finally got a run in the bottom of the six. But then Oklahoma responds by plating two in the top of the seventh. Puts the pressure back on the Rebels. Looks like Oklahoma's going to be forcing a deciding game three. And then Ole Miss says not so fast. As they plate three runs all in the bottom of the eighth to go up four to two 
and then they close out the door in the top of the ninth. And they score on a single to right. They score on a wild pitch. And then another wild pitch. Michael had some issues, the Oklahoma relief pitcher, and Ole Miss took advantage. Tough ending for his run because he's been extremely, played extremely well. But Ole Miss wins. And they get a national championship for the first time in program history. First. And it's back-to-back years now that a team from the SEC West and a team from the state of Mississippi wins the national championship. Mississippi State broke through, did it last year. Now Ole Miss, led by their longtime skipper, who's been there now 22 seasons, former LSU star catcher. Mike Bianco gets the job done finally in Oxford as they win their national championship. Last one in, last one out was the tweet by Ole Miss Baseball. And good for them. They earned it. They did it the hard way. Barely getting into the tournament and then having to do it as a road team, never being able to play at home. Having to play tough competition. It's amazing. Seventh time. The seventh time for back-to-back champions from the same state. Of course, you had the great run with California, Arizona back in the day. Seventh time for back-to-back national champs from the same state in college baseball, Mississippi State last year. Ole Miss this year. And credit the Rebs, man. They just went on an amazing run. Amazing run. How will this impact LSU? I will say this. Two teams from your own division winning national championships in back-to-back seasons, that's got to be fuel, right? That's got to be going to light a fire under Jay Johnson and what they're doing in, in Baton Rouge. It has to be. Has to be. I love this tweet by Ben McDonald, LSU legend. One last thing for some of you Ole Miss baseball fans who wanted Coach Bianco fired a short time ago. Once again, Mike's his boy, right? They were teammates back in the day. I trust y'all will be the first in line to donate money towards the statue that will now be built of him in Oxford in front of Swayze Field asking for a friend. There's a lot of folks that wanted him gone, man. I kept hearing it. I was talking to you guys about it every morning during that stretch. I was like, man, they're calling for, they want Bianco fired. I wonder if they still want him fired now. 
Ole Miss Rebels, your national champs. Let's head out to the hotline. Welcome on one of our champion callers. Going to kick off the week the right way. Doug, good morning to you, brother. What's on your mind, my friend? Oh, good morning, Ray. Man, that was some great uh, baseball. It really was, man. And I tell you, I was kind of hoping that Oklahoma would win just so I could get one more baseball game out of them, you know? And, and leave it to Ben to rub their faces in it. Just, you know, <laughs> I love Ben, man. I enjoy his broadcasting. Oh, he's he's but great. He's one of the, he's probably the best when it comes to college baseball. And, and all of those all of those people that wanted uh, Bianco uh, fired. I mean, come on, man! The man won y'all a championship, and two teams back to back from Mississippi. Oh, that kind of gets under my nerves a little bit, Ray. There I'm hoping uh, Coach JJ is uh, watching this real close and, uh, like you said, put a fire on him. But that was some great baseball. And, Ray, I mean, if you look at it, the whole series, you, you see good pitching. And, and it says a lot to having a good pitching staff and a good bench. Well, and I, I mean, think that's probably why you saw Jay Johnson make the move he did over the weekend, Doug. Exactly. exactly. I, I think I, I think he understood that you can't be messing around. Like I, you, you look at the fact that he had three teams, four teams from the SEC West make the College World Series, four teams oh, in his oh, own oh. division make it to the College World Series. That's it. Arkansas yeah. and Texas A&M advance to the semifinals. They fell short, and and Ole Miss wins the whole thing. If you're Jay Johnson, you're like, uh-oh. Got to step my well, game know, up. You, Ray, the one thing is, you know, gorilla ball will, will get you so far, you know. It's exciting. Going across home plate. You know, but you've got to have pitching to stop your opponents from scoring. And and that was their problem all year long. He, he kind of duct tape had pieces of duct tape on his his pitching roster, his duct tape all over the place. But his batting lineup is what kept him in the games all season long. And it was like you called it grill ball. That's what they played. But but they really need some, a good starting. That's what they need. and a good, they have a bench. They really have a good bench. They just didn't have the starters that could get in there, pitch six, seven innings, and then let the bench take over. That was their problem all year long. And look, I look forward to next year to see what's going to happen. And so a lot of the pitchers in this tournament, Ray, they made a lot of money, and especially DeLucia. He made a ton of money from that uh, shutout he pitched. You're not wrong, brother. I gotta let you go, bud. I'm up against I go up against a timeout, but I appreciate the phone call, you. Doug. I got you, Ray. Thanks, Ray. Yeah, we're gonna talk about what Jay Johnson did over the weekend because he's being very aggressive with what he's done this offseason. He's gonna lose a couple players to the transfer portal, he's gonna lose a couple guys to the major league baseball amateur draft, which will be coming up next month. But He's already tried to shore up the defense, which was the other big problem for LSU this year. They can hit. They can rake. They didn't have enough pitching, and their defense was suspect. He's already addressed the defense with the transfer portal, getting a young man out of Baylor, the big slugging first baseman they got at a, from NC State, 
last week, yeah, that, that that's going to help out your lineup. You need to get the pitching fixed. He's got the number one recruiting class coming in, but you got to fix the pitching. He took a big step forward with that yesterday. We'll talk about that next here on RP3 and Company. You're listening to the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You're home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. RP3 came to the station this morning to do only two things. Kick some ass and drink some beer. Looks like we're almost out of beer. Well, it's kind of early for the latter, isn't it? Maybe. Probably. Maybe just a root beer. Or some flavored water. Back to more kick-ass sports talk with RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Oh, the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com can help you with your date night blues. That's because once you become a member of our rewards club, You're going to have the opportunity to win excellent prizes like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse at Cypress Bayou. That's right. $150 gift certificate, mouth-watering steaks cooked to perfection. Excuse me. Cooked to perfection. You can do that. Or if you want to be a little bit more casual, you're like RP3. Bud, I appreciate you trying to help me out with the date night blues. But I like to be more casual. I like to go down to Cypress Bayou, spend a little money, play the machines. Want to keep it cash. Not to worry. How about a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen? Burgers, sandwiches, fried cheese sticks, and so much more. Casual dining, that's more your speed. Hey, you're telling me, RP3, that sounds great. But I want seafood instead. Oh, well, guess what? You are in luck because we got a $50 gift certificate to Half Shell Oyster House as well in our rewards club. So $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's, $50 gift certificate to Half Shell Oyster House, or $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen. They're all inside our rewards club, but you can only win those by becoming a member of our clubhouse. So go sign up today at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free, it's simple, so go sign up today. Talking College World Series, Ole Miss wins its first national championship in baseball. Mike Bianco, 22nd season at the helm of the Rebels. Fans wanted him fired during the midway point of the season because they fell short of their lofty expectations, which are always high there in Oxford. But then they turned it around, finished the second half of the season strong, sneak into the bracket as the last team in. And they marched their way through the Coral Rables, Coral Gables Regional, the Hattiesburg Super Regional, and then Omaha in the College World Series as they sweep Oklahoma in the championship series to win their first national title. And now that's back-to-back years that we've seen an SEC West team win the national title and it not be LSU. Mississippi State last year, Ole Miss this year. In fact, four teams from the SEC West made it to Omaha for the College World Series. Half the field was from the SEC West. 
two other teams made it to the semifinals. Texas A&M and Arkansas. Not to mention, A&M had a great turnaround season as they were unable to qualify for the SEC tournament a year ago. They were the last national seed remaining at the College World Series, making it all the way to the semifinals. So the depth of the SEC and the SEC West is immense. And LSU had a good transitional season first year under Jay Johnson, the former Arizona head coach. Win 40 games. Sweep Vanderbilt at Vandy for the first time in program history. And advance all the way to the championship round of a regional final. Not a bad transitional year. But besides the defense being poor and something that needs to be worked upon in the offseason, the pitching was the problem. You look at all the other teams that made runs to Omaha, they all had enough pitching to get there. LSU didn't. That's why they didn't make it. Well, Jay Johnson decided to go out and make a splash to fix that. This happened yesterday. First reported by Kendall Rogers of D1 Baseball. Now, we already told you about the big transfers that LSU's received through the transfer portal, right? Baylor starting Baylor start shortstop. They can also play second base. The big NC State first baseman, the slugger. So adding two guys who can hit projected starters for this team that's going to lose some players to the amateur draft. But the big thing was what happened yesterday. He had to replace Jason Kelly, Jay Johnson has. Remember, only uh, Kelly was only there for this last season. Jason Kelly left a few weeks ago, Baton Rouge, to return to Washington to take over as head coach of the Huskies. So Jay Johnson's in need of an assistant coach. Handle pitching, developing pitching. Well, he goes out and gets him one. Twins pitching coach Wes Johnson. Johnson spent the last four seasons with the Twins, and this marks a blockbuster hire for Jay Johnson. Why is that? Let's see. The Twins currently right now are in first place in the AL Central with a record of 41-33. and He's helped the Twins capture a pair of division titles. So this is a team that's in first place in their division in Major League Baseball. And this coach is leaving the team during the middle of the season to come be part of LSU's coaching staff. Let that let that sink in. A man who is on staff of a first-place team in a division in Major League Baseball is leaving that job to come to Baton Rouge to serve as the new pitching coach for Jay Johnson and the LSU Tigers. This is huge. This is a big-time move by Jay Johnson. Now, we don't know the details of the contract because I guarantee he's getting paid. (laughs) You're not leaving a job in the show to come down to be a college coach. But here's the other thing. The new pitching coach, 
for LSU. Johnson, who, by the way, is no relation to Jay Johnson, the head baseball coach. But Wes Johnson, he has college experience. He has SEC West experience at that. Before he made it up to the big leagues, working for the Twins, he served as the pitching coach at Mississippi State and was at Arkansas as well. During his time in Starkville, Mississippi State won the SEC regular season championship in 2016. In Fayetteville, he helped the Razorbacks reach the College World Series in 2018. In particular, the Championship Series in 2018. So a guy who knows how to develop pitchers and coach him up in college as an assistant coach at two SEC West schools, has four seasons of big league experience where they've won division titles and the team is currently in first place, is coming to Baton Rouge. I think that's going to go a long way to help LSU get back to prominence. Got to take a timeout. When we return here in RP3 and Company, we're going to talk Astros-Yankees. What a series this weekend gave us between the two best teams in baseball, regardless of which league they play in. We'll talk about that next right here. On the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Let your voice be heard. Hello. Give us a call on the hotline at 337-706-0111 and speak your mind. Yellow. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Astros, Yankees. Boy, it sure does feel like it's going to be your ALCS. The two best teams in the American League, and let's be honest, the two best teams in baseball as we wrap up the month in June this week are the Astros and the Yankees. And they proved it again over the weekend. Whether you like the teams, and a lot of you don't, a lot of people hate the Yankees, and a lot of people hate the Astros. What you have to admit, though, is that they're the two best teams. And they proved it. In this four-game set in the Bronx, we had two games end in walk-off fashion, and we had a no-hitter in one of the other ones. Just, th- just think about that. Two walk-offs and a no-hitter, and the two teams split the series 2-2. Astros could have easily won this series or even swept this series if it wasn't for Aaron Judge coming up clutch not once but twice. He is your MVP, leading candidate for MVP. Jordan Alvarez will give him a run for his money. But these two teams put on an absolute clinic. It felt like a postseason series, which is exactly what you want if you're Major League Baseball. To have these type of games feel this way. It felt like October baseball. Astros let the first game get away from them on Thursday. Judge wins it for them late. And the Strohs lose that game. They come back and win game two. To even up the weekend series. And you're like, okay, here we go. 
So after losing 7-6 to six on Thursday, Stroh's bounce back, win a tough, tough hard-fought game 3-1 on Friday. Then came the no-hitter, the combined no-hitter on Saturday, 3-0 win. Only two teams have no-hit the Yankees. Only twice has a team no-hit the Yankees, and it's both been the Houston Astros. Both times. 2003 and Saturday. <laughs> it just, it's just ridiculous. We're up at Natchitoches for the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame, Kevin and I. Of course, he's tracking what's going on with the Strohs, as, as we expect. And he was thrilled. He was like, yeah, we'll probably lose on Sunday, but I'll take the split. He was in a happy mood. He was in a good mood. <laughs> it's just like, because he knew how balanced this was, how great of a matchup this was between the two teams. Then came yesterday, and it appeared that the Astros were on their way of winning the series against the Yankees and also possibly no-hitting them again. It was ridiculous. But Giancarlo Stan came up after ending one of his historic hitless droughts. He has been bad of late. He delivered a one-out home run in the seventh. Then D.J. LeMayhew, former LSU Tiger, followed with a tying two-run drive in the eighth as New York was able to split a four-game series between the AL's top two teams. And then, of course, Judge comes up big, gets another walk-off win, Gave his bat to Spike Lee afterwards. <laughs> it's just, that's how it works. Three-run blast in the 10th inning for the 6-3 win. Big takeaways from this series. Astros starting pitching may be the best in Major League Baseball. When you nearly no-hit the Yankees not once but twice, advantage you. I think that's safe to say. I think we can all sit there and agree to that. The Astros' bullpen is good, but it needs a little help. In particular, a left-handed arm. They need one. That became apparent over this weekend series. If they would have had a left-handed reliever, another one, they may have been able to hold on to two of those leads and win this series. I think that's something that's going to have to be addressed and will likely be addressed by the trade deadline for the Strohs. I'm just saying. It just it just feels that way. Because you need that because that's the one wrinkle that you're missing. Look, the Astros starters, their starting pitching, dominated the best offense in Major League Baseball. Astros starting pitching dominated the Yankees this weekend. But the best offense in Major League Baseball, that's the Yankees, bested one of the best bullpens in baseball. It's amazing. Great, just legendary series. It had that feel of being a postseason 
series. It felt like you were watching the American League Championship Series. And as Robert Flores said, he gave some big takeaways from Astros-Yankees over the weekend, Major League Baseball host. His big takeaways, Houston's bullpen is one piece shy. That's it. New York Yankees' bullpen may be a little bit better. Houston's rotation might be the deepest in Major League Baseball. Altuve loves playing in the Bronx. He did. He was an absolute beast. They boo him. They curse at him. He thrives on it. There's no place in Major League Baseball where Jose Altuve plays better on the road than New York. He's built for that. Some guys have it. Some guys don't. He has it in spades. He was an absolute machine all weekend long. Aaron Judge playing at an MVP level. But for the Astros, these two two teams are evenly matched. Yankees are 53-20 and overall right now. They lead the American League East by 11 games. They lead by 11 games, and Boston is in second, and they're on a seven-game winning streak, and they still trail New York by 11. Houston, meanwhile, 45-27 and overall. They lead the American League West by 10 and a half games. These two teams look like they're on a collision course for the American League Championship Series, two best teams in baseball. Astros, though, now that we're here at the end of June, they could use, they could add a left-handed arm to the bullpen. And one other thing that stands out about the Strohs, and that was evident this weekend, and I started noticing it a couple weeks ago. They leave way too many runners on base. As great as their lineup is, they leave too many guys on the base paths. When it comes to the postseason, you can't do that. Got to take a timeout. We'll wrap up our number one of RP3 and company. That'll be next right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers in Houston Astros. Listening to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the LSU Tigers in Southwest Louisiana. What a weekend it was. And we want to hear from you with our poll question of the day. What was your favorite moment from the weekend? There was plenty going on. Colorado Avalanche defeat the Tampa Bay Lightning to win the Stanley Cup Finals, hoist Lord Stanley's Cup. Tampa Bay had won back-to-back Stanley Cups, trying to win three in a row, a feat that isn't done often. But the Avalanche, the Avs, if you will, they win the Stanley Cup. Houston Astros throw the no-hitter, combined no-hitter. Only second time Yankees have been no-hit, both times done by the Astros. It's ridiculous stat you think they'd been no hit more but they're the Yankees an epic four-game series between those two was it Ole Miss winning the College World Series Mike Bianco former LSU Tiger in his 22nd season at the helm of the Rebels program breaks through gets the job done wins the national championship second straight year team from the state of Mississippi is your national champion in college baseball 
Both teams, of course, reside in the SEC West, who put four teams in the College World Series this year. Half of the field. We asked you, what was your favorite moment of the weekend? Right now, 45% of you say Ole Miss winning the College World Series. 36% of you say the Houston Astros, no-no. 10% say other, and 9% say Colorado winning the Stanley Cup. Steve has chimed in. Hi, buddy. LSU missed the bus. Instead of hiring Bianco, deep tiger roots, they hire a yo-yo from Arizona who can't manage Lassie to sit. So much for the splash hire. Congrats to Ole Miss. Salty Steve is bringing the heat and the salt on a Monday. Woo, it's 6 o'clock in the morning. My man is reared up, ready to go. John Paul Cajun Daddy says, I select others because each day is one day closer to football. Good morning. <laughs> I can respect that take. Martin on Twitter says, come on, five names in RP3. You know what my response will be, and that is that New York umpires getting no hit. Haha, <laughs> just proves my point even further than the umpires are not a World Series team. Houston still has their number. Of course, Martin is a diehard Boston Red Sox fan. Look, these two teams are evenly matched. And as long as Aaron Judge has a bat in his hand, Yankees are always going to have a chance. I, that's what it boils down to. But this is, if this is a preview of what we can expect, October is going to be phenomenal. Because it sure does feel like Astros, Yankees. Whew. ALCS. We have to take a timeout because hour number one is in the books. Hour number two, right around the bend. We'll take your phone calls. Game hotline. It will be open to start off hour number two. 337-706-0111. That's 337-706-0111. You're listening to the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You're home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Oh, me, oh, my crawfish pie, 703 on a Monday morning. Thank you for being with us here on RP3 and Company. We appreciate you keeping us as your company. Hello. <laughs> it's a good morning, man. Great weekend in the books. Busy weekend in the books in the world of sports. College World Series came to an end. Ole Miss wins its first national championship in program history. They were the last team in and the last one standing. Amazing. Mike Bianco in his 22nd season at the helm of the Rebels program, gets the job done. Wins the natty, the former LSU Tiger star catcher and great player for Skip Burtman back in the day. Second straight year that an SEC West team from the state of Mississippi wins the national title. Mississippi State did it a year ago. Now Ole Miss. Four teams made it to Omaha. 
from the SEC West. Does that put pressure on LSU and Jay Johnson to step his game up? Well, maybe. He's been aggressive in the transfer portal. He knows he's going to lose a couple of players to graduation, a couple more to the Major League Baseball amateur draft. He's already added a transfer, a starting middle infielder who can hit from Baylor. He also added a slugging first baseman from NC State, one of the coveted players in the NCAA transfer portal. Then he caps off his weekend, the LSU skipper who just wrapped up his first season at the helm by winning 40 games and reaching a championship series of a regional a bit on the road by getting Wes Johnson, no relation to Jay. Wes formerly had worked for Mississippi State and Arkansas. He helped Mississippi State win the regular season championship back in 2016, helped Arkansas make it all the way to the College World Series championship series in 2018. He's currently in his fourth season as the pitching coach for the Minnesota Twins, who are in first place in the AL Central. First place. He's in the show as a pitching coach for a first place team. And Jay Johnson was able to get him and convince him and throw enough money at him to leave that team in the middle of the season to come and be part of Jay's staff to replace the pitching coach that went to go be the head coach for the Washington Huskies. What a splash move by Jay Johnson. He knows it's about to get tough. A&M is here. Arkansas is here. Ole Miss just won the national title. He knows what is expected at LSU, and the expectation at LSU is for the baseball program not to watch other teams play and win national championships especially ones in their own division. I also would anticipate another side effect of what occurred the last couple years with Mississippi State and Ole Miss both winning. National championships and Texas A&M turning things around in a hurry would be, I'd expect some, some cash, if you will, to be flooded into the program. I'd expect some boosters to uh, put in some extra work for LSU baseball program because they're paying attention to what else is happening in their division, in their conference, and in the world of college baseball, and LSU is not where they need to be. In the era of NIL, (laughs) and watching A&M rise to being one of the best teams in the country and seeing both Mississippi State and Ole Miss win national titles, Yeah, I'd be willing to bet you there's going to be some cash coming into the LSU baseball program. I'm just saying, don't be surprised whatsoever if that happens. Let's stick with College World Series here on RP3 and Company. Mike Bianco gets the job done finally. And the great thing that you saw from them as they struggled out of the gate, once again, preseason top five team that stumbled and was one of the worst teams in the SEC throughout the season until about the second half of the season when they started turning things around was how they were able to keep their composure and more importantly, how he 
and his star players were able to keep their composure over the course of the season. You know, he's he's amazing. And, you know, I think we mentioned it after his last start. There's young guys. It's it's more than talent. There's there's guys that throw harder. There's guys that get better breaking balls, guys that have better change-ups. And that's not trying to demean abilities. I mean, he's obviously very talented. But, you know, the, I think if you ask any of the coaches, you know, his toughness, his belief, you know, to be able to make pitches. And we, we saw that through SEC play. But once we got to postseason, you watch him in Miami. mentioned where we had bases loaded. You're playing the national seed on their park, on their field. They don't lose there. And he has bases loaded in the first and gets out of it. And that's kind of what he's done all year. And then you watch him go to Hattiesburg and play in a tough, tough environment there and, and just, you know, pitches his best game, you know, of the year and gets to Omaha. And, you know, the talent just continues. Got The hotter teams are there. He just continues. The bigger the stage, the better he gets. And uh, that's, you know, when you're watching enough sports like you have and I have, that's what the great ones do, don't they? When the stage uh, is big, you know, and, uh, you know, the importance of the game, and that's when they really shine, and he's one of those guys. Of course, he's talking about Hunter Elliott, the true freshman that was an absolute star for this team throughout the season. For Bianco, he finally gets the national title as a coach, and he described just how rewarding, just how cool it was to finally end a season and to end it with a victory, one more victory. I've never won a national championship, and so I've been a head coach, what, 25 years. So you've always lost the last game. You've always hoped that you would, you know, you were going to win it and move on to the next round step, whatever that was. And so when you walk out in that field, which you've seen seven other teams do here, and you got a bunch of young men, 18 to 22 years old, that are crying and knowing that this is the last game and this is how it's going to end that season. And some of them, that'll never put the uniform on again. You know, they won't get a chance to play professional baseball. This is it, and this is how it's going to end. And nobody's prepared for that. I've always struggled, you know, in that moment because I didn't have a speech prepared. To, to end on a winning note, man, it's, it's really neat. And so they didn't have to go through that. They didn't have to be out there with all the hugs and the tears and lord knows tim and the other guys they've been through that enough yeah so they deserve this Ole miss hotty toddy is your national champions sec west is stacked man sec is stacked for baseball we haven't even talked about the fact that tennessee was the number one overall team in the bracket they got eliminated early the kiss of death when it comes to college baseball. Hey, who wants to be the number one overall seed for the brackets? Who's ready to not win a national title? That's been going on since 1999. Last team to be number one overall and win the national championship was the University of Miami. Hurricanes did it back in 1999. But you look at the landscape of college baseball, and it's dominated by, surprise, surprise, the SEC. And if you are Jay Johnson, I thought Jay Johnson did a very good job first year. Wasn't perfect by any stretch of the imagination. But it was his first job. Taking over program, establishing his culture. Didn't have enough pitching. Blake Money was not the guy. They figured that out about halfway through. He only had one legit starter, frontline starter. Didn't have enough pitching in the defense. They couldn't figure it out. But they could rake. 
And in spite of it being a transitional year, they still won 40 games and still reached a regional final championship. So all in all, not bad. A good start, a good foundation year, if you will. But he knows what's at stake because he's going to have to ramp it up. I want you to just listen for a minute of what's happening in in college baseball. Okay? Just listen. This is since 2014. Well, you know, let's go all the way back. Let's go back 10 years, shall we? Let's go back 10 years. I'm counting to make sure my math is proper because I struggle. Since 2013, Mississippi State played for the national championship loss to UCLA. 2014, Vandy won the national championship over Virginia. 2015, Virginia beat Vandy for the national championship. 2016 was Coastal Carolina's year. They had that magical run where they won the national title, beat Arizona. 2017, Florida beat LSU, all SEC national championship series. 2018, Oregon State won it, beat Arkansas out of the SEC. 2019, Vandy beat Michigan. No College World Series in 2020 because of COVID. Then Mississippi State beat Vanderbilt in an all-SEC final last year. And then Ole Miss beat Oklahoma. SEC, 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 SEC. Only one year did not feature an SEC team in the National Championship Series for college baseball. Only one. Only one. Twice we've had all SEC finals. Twice in that span. So Jay Johnson understands fully what the expectation is. There's no team in the SEC that has higher expectations when it comes to college baseball than LSU. Their fan base demands it. Their boosters demands it. Their athletic director demands it. Great foundation season for Jay Johnson. But not making it to Omaha and watching half of the field be from your division and you're not in it is not going to be accepted moving forward. This is why he's so aggressive in the transfer portal. This is why he's convincing a pitching coach for a first-place team in Major League Baseball to leave that job and come and join his staff. Plain and simple. I just read it off to you. We could go even further back. Arizona beat South Carolina out of the SEC in 2012. South Carolina won it over Florida in 2011. That's an all-SEC matchup as well. South Carolina won it in 2010 over UCLA. LSU won it in 2009. Georgia lost the year before in 2008 to Fresno State. Every year, the expectation is to have an SEC team playing for the national championship. And the folks in Baton Rouge, right across the basin, expect that to be them. Foundation year for Jay. He's got time to get things fixed. I'm not one to jump the gun. Winning 40 games, getting to a regional final with poor pitching and poor defense, great. But he's got to fix the pitching. He's got to fix the defense. You heard Doug earlier in in our number one mention it. 
You have to have pitching. See what happened at the College World Series. The team that had the teams that had the better pitching, the more more pitching depth, if you will, are the teams that won. You can't just have Mikhail Hilliard going out on the bump. Can't do it, won't do it, won't work. Jay Johnson knows this. That's why he went out and got Wes Johnson to join his staff. Still can't believe he got a Major League Baseball pitching coach on a team that's currently in first place in their division as we head to July to leave that job in the middle of the season to come be his pitching coach at LSU. Scott Woodward's writing a nice check. Somebody's taking care of Wes Johnson. Let's just say that. (laughs) It may not be with the base salary of the coach, but somebody's going to be taking care of Wes Johnson for leaving that job. Let's head out to the hotline. Welcome on Martin to the show who's been patiently waiting. Martin, good morning to you, brother. What's on your mind? We are the champions, my friends. And we'll keep on fighting to the end. Okay, no, I'm not calling to sing for the Ole Miss Rebels. I'm calling in due respect of my Colorado Avalanche winning the Stanley Cup this weekend, just like I said it a few weeks ago. Um, But I'll get back to that in a few seconds. I'm calling on behalf of the millions and millions of the Chefs fans. But who am I kidding? I probably only have about three, but as long as I have my number one fan, Salty Steve, then I can sleep at night. But you forgot to mention that my Red Sox are on a seven-game win streak. No, time out, time out, time out. No, 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 no. No, I'm going to stop you right there, Martin. Not only did I did mention that, I made it a point to mention it live on the air. Okay, well, maybe our I number it, but, one. This uh, man's trying to interrupt college baseball talk with hockey talk. First of all, congratulations to your Avalanche, by the way, which we did mention in our number one. But your Red Sox have won seven straight games. That's correct. They're still eleven games back, Martin. That's all good. All we got to do is win a a wild card spot and get in. Hopefully we can be the hottest team going in because that's always the one that wins the World Series. No matter if you win 130 games, which the New York umpires might win, but I doubt it. But as I finish my call, going back to my avalanche winning, this is for Mr. Green. Acknowledge me because we took down Goliath. That was the Bolts. Now just sit back and watch as my Avalanche start a dynasty, and that's all I have for today. This man's coming with dynasty talk. Thank you, Martin. (laughs) Have a great day, bud. This man man wants wants to bring hockey into the conversation. Hockey. I appreciate the hockey fandom. Of course, Martin. Martin, Dallas Cowboy fan, Boston Red Sox fan, Colorado Avalanche fan. The man's from Erath. No man hates rooting for teams not from the state of Louisiana or from the South more than Martin. (laughs) Colorado Avalanche, look, they were the best team. And they were the better team than Tampa Bay. Credit the Avs for getting the job done. This man said I didn't talk about his Boston Red Sox winning seven straight games. Yet I did. Yet I did, Martin. Oh, man. But... You know, we hugged it out. 
had a good time at the birthday bash. Now you come in with accusations. I don't know how I'm supposed to take that. I don't know how I'm supposed to take that. Hurts my heart. We got to take a timeout. More RP3 and company coming up. Hot game hotline is open 337-706-0111. You're listening to the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. There are two types of sports reporters. Those who are respected for their ability at building relationships with coaches and players. And here's our game plan. Then there are those whose method of reporting is getting hammered with a college football team and Pat O's. We're going streaking! We'll let you guess which one RP3 is. Back to more RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Astros, Yankees, they're your two best teams in baseball. They squared off over the weekend, battled it out, split the four-game series in the Bronx. Strohs are going to be off tonight. They'll get back to action tomorrow as they will play two games against the New York Mets. It's a weird scheduling thing for the Strohs as they stay in New York and will be playing in Queens against the Mets. It felt like a postseason series over the weekend. It felt like an American League Championship Series. It felt like it was October. Yankees win in walk-off fashion on Thursday. Aaron Judge gets the job done then. Astros respond the next day, win a hard-fought 3-1 ball game. And then they no-hit, combined no-hitter on Saturday. The Astros' starting pitching was absolutely phenomenal against the Yankees. Yankees, Astros had the two best lineups in Major League Baseball. The Yankees couldn't do anything against the Astros' starting pitching. But against the bullpen, they could. They got the win on Thursday, which they were able to rally to do there when Judge gets the big hit. And then the bats came alive against the bullpen on Sunday. Stan gets a home run. LeMathieu gets a key hit. And, of course, Judge gets the game winner. The walk-off in extra innings. But the big takeaways, man. We had two walk-offs and a no-hitter in a four-game series. These two teams are so evenly matched. Astros have the better starting pitching. When you can go into the Bronx, into Yankee Stadium, and do what they did against that that lineup, you're the best. I I, I don't care if it's June 27th. You're the best. Yankees' bullpen is better than the Astros. And what the Astros miss, what they miss, is another left-handed arm in the pin. They add that, that could get them over the top. I'd expect James Click in the Astros front office to be aggressive in the trade deadline and try to get themselves a left-handed relief pitcher because that's what they need. Because you're going to face a vaunted lineup like that. You're going to need a lefty coming out of the pin, another one. 
that became abundantly clear over the weekend. Yankees still have Aaron Judge. Uh, Look, when you play for that team in that market, you're going to have the spotlight put on you. He has thrived being in the spotlight. Unlike John Carlos Stanton, who's a very good slugger, who really has not lived up to his paycheck in New York, Aaron Judge has. That's why he's being considered the MVP right now. He stepped up when his team needed him to. That's the type of stuff that makes you a legend in New York. So the Yankees have Judge. Their starting pitching is not nearly as good as the Astros. You can make the Astros have the deepest rotation in Major League Baseball. And they're still going to get Lance McCullers Jr. back. <laughs> and they're still going to get Jake Odorizzi back. And they still got the best AAA pitcher on the planet that has not had a chance to even be called up yet. Pitching matters. It does. My only concern for the Strohs, besides needing to go get a left-handed pitcher for the bullpen, they leave too many runners on the base paths. Got to drive in more runs. They get guys on, they just can't drive them in. Not right now, at least. It was an epic series. It felt like October here in late June. And Dusty Baker talked about the series and in particular talked about Sunday's loss that allowed the Yankees to split the series with the Astros 2-2. You know, when they made the air, you know, I'd say, well, we got a break. And then when, when uh, uh, Jason was safe at third, I said, okay, we got another break. And, uh, and they walked Bregman. And, you know, we had, we had, we had action and opportunities. You know, you know, they made some pretty good pitches. After that, it was tough to see because I, I was hoping we were going to win it, you know, before we got in that situation because I could tell the shadows were, were all over home plate. And uh, that's the time of batting practice when it's tough to see. And, uh, boy, Judge, I mean, he got us twice. And end up Judge too, us too. So it's, it's, a, bad, it's a bad feeling. I imagine the same feeling that they had yesterday. It was a game of, of emotions. And... Uh, Hurts a lot because we, you know, we played them. You know, we played them tough, real tough. Yeah, I mean, you heard Dusty Baker say, you know, Aaron Judge two, us two. Because I mean, that's what it boiled down to. Judge won the Yankees two games. That's what he was able to do. And Dusty was asked, did he consider at all, based on just how good Aaron Judge is, just based on the fact a few days earlier he won the game in walk-off fashion on Thursday night. Did he consider it all in that situation in extra innings walking judge? No, no, because there's two outs. You can always look back and say, and then if I walk judge, and you know, then you got a tough guy up there, Rizzo. That's that's. I mean, this guy's he, he's been good for years, and also put in a situation where you're not going to swing at a bad pitch. He'll fall off a bunch of pitches, and then he didn't want to lose the game. You know, you know, on a potential walk. And so, uh, no, I didn't consider. Dusty's old school. That's not an excuse, Astro fan, but Dusty's like, look, we're going up against, it's our best versus their best. 
And if their best gets the better of us, then there it is. I mean, yeah, you could walk Judge, but have you seen the Yankees lineup? <laughs> Yankees-Strohs split the weekend series 2-2. Wow, great seeing that. Great baseball in late June. Had a postseason feel. I'll take that all day long. We got to take a timeout. When we return, we'll talk the latest involving the LSU Tigers with the man who co-hosts Tiger Rag Radio. The sports and news director for the Louisiana Radio Network, Jeff Palermo, will join us as our first guest of the day and of the week. That's coming up next right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. You're listening to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the Houston Astros in Southwest Louisiana. Here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Don't forget to vote on our poll question of the day. What was your favorite moment from the weekend? Right now, 50% of you say Ole Miss winning the College World Series, 31% say Houston Astros no hitter, 11% say other, and 8% say the Colorado Avalanche winning the Stanley Cup. Keep those votes coming. On our poll question of the day, keep your comments coming as well. Leave them on Facebook and Twitter. Just make sure you keep it clean for the kids. Don't get crazy. We don't want to get the Facebook police after you now. Right now, though, it's time for us to bring on our first guest of today's show. He's the sports and news director for the Louisiana Radio Network. He's also co-host of Tiger Ag Radio. Jeff Palermo joins us now. Jeff, good morning to you, brother. How are you, my friend? Oh, I'm doing well, Raymond. How was your weekend in Natchitoches? It was good, man. I made sure not to drop anyone's Hall of Fame trophy. That was my main <laughs> goal, was to not drop a trophy on the stage. Uh, that was my, that, that, And I succeeded, but yeah. I didn't fail. I didn't fail there. So it was, it was a great, hey. great weekend, though. Well, you did one better than the Colorado Avalanche. You already dented the uh, Stanley Cup trophy. <laughs> Couldn't even is get it, it out of the arena before they smashed it. Isn't that well, tradition, though, it, bud? But they, uh, they, they dented it up a little bit. Yes, isn't that tradition <laughs> to dent it up and drink out of it and leave it in cars <laughs> and parking lots on a bender? It's just well, just the stories that that, that cup could tell. That'd be, yeah, uh, that'd be a lot of them that we could not uh, listen to here on the radio. <laughs> it would not be allowed. All right, bud, let's talk about the blockbuster hire over the weekend. Jay Johnson has already been aggressive with the transfer portal. We'll get to that. But he goes, Jeff, and gets a guy who's the pitching coach for a Major League Baseball team that's currently first placed in their division, and he is getting that guy to leave that job to come be his pitching coach in Baton Rouge. Just talk about getting Wes Johnson, how big of a deal that is. Well, this seems like a really big deal. I, I mean, it, it is kind of amazing here 
is a guy in, in Wes Johnson who uh, has been the pitching coach at, for the Minnesota Twins for four seasons. Minnesota is in first place in the American League Central. Looks like you know everything's going very well there, and Jay Johnson gives him a call, and he just, he's deciding to to leave midseason. Um, you know when Paul Maneri went to the major league level to to go get a or went to the major leagues to get a pitching coach, Alan Dunn. He was just kind of the um, the minor league uh, overall pitching coordinator when he got him. It wasn't like uh, he was grabbing him specifically from a coaching staff on a team. So it's. Uh, you just don't see it too often. You don't see guys uh, go from professional baseball to the college ranks, especially like this, from a college coaching staff to a, or excuse me, a, a major league baseball coaching staff to a college coaching staff. But Wes Johnson certainly has experience in the Southeastern Conference. He's been a pitching coach uh, on the collegiate or in the collegiate level for nine seasons. Most recently in Arkansas, when Arkansas finished as national runner-ups in 2018. He's also coached um, for the, um, the the Mississippi State Bulldogs. He's also been at Dallas Baptist. I mean, these are all really good baseball, college baseball programs that he's been with. So, um, you know, I don't know if he, you know, as, as far as how well he can teach a kid how to throw a slider or, or whatnot, or the, the, but it just seems like this guy has a pretty good resume. And as you mentioned, Raymond, it, it continues this aggressive uh, track that we're seeing from Jay Johnson to, to do what he did as far as pulling a couple kids out of the transfer portal. Of course, North Carolina State's uh, Tommy White, and then going to get a pitcher from Vanderbilt, Christian Little. Uh, it seems like uh, Jay Johnson, who I talked about this before, Raymond, I thought he really laid down a, a solid foundation in his first season, and now you're getting a better insight of what he could potentially do with all the resources and the attraction that uh, playing and coaching at a, at a place like LSU could do for you. And not to mention, yeah, I agree with you 100%, Jeff, that this was a foundation year. 40 wins, get to a regional final. Right, that that's a good start to what you want to build. He's being aggressive in the transfer portal. He gets a, a great coach that, to leave the the show to come down to college, but he also understands what the pressure is and what the expectation is now. Right, because you can't have teams from your own division making it to the College World Series. Four of them did so. You not being one of them, and keep watching teams from your own division win national titles while you're not making it out of regionals. He understands what the expectation is at LSU. Well, that's the thing that I've really liked about Jay Johnson is that he's not afraid of that expectation. He, he embraces the expectation, and I think that's why Paul Maneri had the success that he had here at LSU. And a guy like Smoke Lavelle flamed out after four seasons. Uh, Smoke didn't really... He didn't really want to uh, embrace the fans. He didn't want to really... Um, I mean, I mean, he just didn't. He just kind of wanted to coach a team, you know. And he was able to do that at ULM, you know, when nobody's really paying attention. But <laughs> I mean, here you're, you're in the fishbowl here, man. You're you're in the hot seat. Uh, you, know, you lose a game to South Alabama on a Tuesday night. It's the end of the world to some LSU baseball fans. So um, that's the thing that I, I, I've always liked, Jay, is that he is. He's really taken on the expectations, and he understands what 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 they did last season is not good enough. Uh, while they accomplished some good things, as you mentioned, getting to a 
a regional final. Um, it, it, it's not it's not good enough at LSU. Getting to Omaha and and winning a College World Series, uh, you know, I guess I don't know once every five, six, seven years. I, I think is is kind of what you're you're expecting uh, someone to do when they're the the head baseball coach at LSU and. He uh, he understands that, and he's not just going to say, "Oh, well, we had a pretty good first season here, and uh, I got a couple guys that are coming back, and Trey Morgan and Dylan Cruz are pretty good, so we'll just roll the baseball out there next year and hope everything's okay." Uh, he is certainly looking to fortify, and who knows? Maybe the fact that you did have four teams um, from the SEC West in the College World Series just lit that fire up even more for Jay Johnson to go out there and, and make sure that they don't have their season end again in the regionals. Let's talk about three kids already from the transfer portal. You got the Baylor starting shortstop slash second baseman who can hit. He got a pitcher from Vanderbilt, a starting pitcher from Vanderbilt, and he gets the slugging first baseman out of NC State. I know he's going to lose some players to the amateur draft and some guys – will also leave out that don't have a roster spot anymore. Uh, but how much more aggressive and how much more activity do you anticipate Jay Johnson having with the transfer portal? Well, I think, you know, when Tommy White entered the transfer portal, I mean, the speculation just started to really get going that maybe he might end up at LSU. I mean, they're adding three guys. that You just mentioned the three guys there. Uh, where else does he go? I, I mean, I would think he still tries to get maybe another pitcher or two. Uh, it seems to me, without really just taking a hard look at the depth chart, it seems to me that they'll, as far as position players go, I think they're going to be okay. Could they go out and still get another catcher? I mean, I think that's always possible. I mean, I I thought that was a position that never – never really solidified itself. I mean, there were some good things there from Hayden Travinsky, but uh, that was a kind of a position that uh, uh, I think you could still look for an upgrade at. Um, but it, it would seem, you know, maybe second base is a position. What, what, what's interesting is what do you do now with Trey Morgan if Tommy White is your first baseman? Or do you make, one of, do you make a guy like Tommy White strictly a DH. I, I know that Tommy White hits home runs. He hit 27 of them. I'm not exactly sure how good he is defensively. Uh, and we know Trey Morgan is a superior defensive player at first base. Or do you, because he's so good defensively there and athletic, do you find another position for him on the field? So I think that'll be interesting to see how that kind of sorts itself out. But you can't have enough pitching, Raymond. So I would imagine if, if Jay Johnson is doesn't like what he's got as far as what's coming in on this incoming class and who's still left on the staff. I think he's still going to go out there and try to find a few more pitchers, uh, whether it's the transfer portal. Uh, it's probably the best place to do that at this moment. Let's talk about Mike Bianco. Yeah. I found, you know, this is a guy who was nearly fired or fans wanted him to be fired during the season they they started off slow and and were very bad but they finished strong last team in and they win a national title he finally gets that national title what I found interesting was just how much support he had from old school LSU players Ben McDonald was very vocal about his support for his former teammate and friend 
it's an interesting thing because typically you don't root for a guy that coaches another team, especially a division rival, but it sure does seem like uh, old school LSU fans or at least old school LSU players had nothing uh, but um, praise for their former teammate. Well, and there's always been that respect there. And then especially when you don't have LSU among the eight teams in the College World Series, I think anybody that's been connected with Mike Bianco, they're going to pull for him. And he, you constantly hear about how he's one of the good guys in college baseball. And this is a guy that had a lot of success as a player and as an assistant coach and uh, just hasn't been able to put it all together. He's had some good teams at Ole Miss. Um, he's constantly – I mean, it's not even just this past season. I mean, this season it seemed like, yeah, if they didn't if they didn't make an NCAA tournament, you got the sense that he might not be back for the 2023 season. But it always seems like whenever the Rebels fall short, uh, Mike Bianco's job security is uh, a big discussion in the Magnolia State. Uh, it always seems that way. And then you – you add on the fact that Mississippi State won it all last year. So I think there were a lot of people, there certainly were a lot of people rooting for him. He seems like a good guy. Anybody that's been somewhere for 18 years, obviously, is that's that's pretty hard to do in today's day and age of college athletics where it's uh, so much of a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately uh, type of industry when it comes to coaching in, in, in college and professional ranks. So, uh, it's glad, it's good to see him get it, and um, I, I think for LSU's perspective too. You know, if, if a school like Texas A&M won it all, boy, that just that just kind of uh, stirs that up a little bit more with all their resources. That uh oh, I mean, Texas A&M could all of a sudden become really a a power in baseball. I mean, Ole Miss winning it, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if that is really going to happen for them just because they don't have the resources as a Texas A&M. I mean, we looked at what happened here to Mississippi State, even in this era of transfer portal. I mean, they could have replenished and made another really good, strong run at it this year through the transfer portal, considering all the guys they left, they, all the guys they lost. But they didn't even make the uh, NCAA tournament this past season. They didn't make the SEC tournament. So, I don't know how much lasting power this is where now Ole Miss goes on this run of maybe winning another one over the next few years. Probably not. Uh, I still think they're going to remain a quality program in the Southeastern Conference as long as Mike Bianco's there. But I don't know if this really true, you know, this, this turns them into a juggernaut. I don't think that happens. Jeff, you know who is a juggernaut? You, my friend. You. <laughs> I don't know about that, my friend. You do it all, brother. You do it all. Keep up the <laughs> tremendous work for the Louisiana Radio Network. Uh, and uh, have a great Tiger Ag Radio this week, my friend. We'll talk to you next Monday, bud. All right. Sounds good. Thanks a lot, William. Raymond. Raymond. Sorry. Sorry. See? <laughs> <laughs> uh, he, he, he's like, oh, I'm talking to William Weathers. It, it, it happens to me all the time. Not to worry, bud. Enjoy your week, brother. All right, man. You too. Bye. William Weathers is good people now. Just saying, that's good people, the associate editor of Tiger Rag. So if I get confused for William, I'll take it. I don't know how flattering that is for him because he has still a full head of hair, and I do not. I am the big, bald, and beautiful one. So we got to take a timeout. We'll update the poll question of the day. Wrap up our number two. Woo! 
That's next right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You're home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Download the free The Game mobile app for Android and Apple devices. No matter where you are in the country, you can listen to The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. You know, you hear me tell you about the game clubhouse. I talk to you about it every day. Every day I'm on the air, I say, tell you about the great stuff about the clubhouse. And yet the other day at the birthday bash, someone came up to me and said, hey, tell me about this clubhouse thing that you talk about. <laughs> what? That means I got to step my game up. But I'm glad they asked me. Here's the thing. It's free to join. First of all, it's free. It's simple to join. And once you become a member of the clubhouse, you're going to have the opportunity to win free stuff. A $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's. A $50 gift certificate to Half Show Oyster House. A $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen. And Houston Astros tickets, station swag, and so much more. Go sign up today at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. Click on the Rewards Club tab. We even have a video to show you how to do it. You can become a member today, and you can start scoring great stuff ASAP. Hour number two in the books. Hour number three coming up with Josh Helmer. He'll join us next right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Hour number three has arrived here on this Monday, June the 27th edition of RP3 and Company, 804 on the clock. We appreciate you making us part of your morning commute, whether it's on the traditional radio dial or if you're listening on the free game mobile app for Apple or Android devices. Maybe you're checking us out on Google Home or even Alexa. No matter how you're listening to the game, we appreciate you helping making us Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Good start to today's show. Talked a lot about the Houston Astros-New York Yankees series in the Bronx as the two teams split that. We'll talk more about that series that felt like an October series when Brett Chancy joins us half an hour from right now, co-host of the Locked On Astros podcast. But we also talked a lot of College World Series as well. And we're going to do so yet again with our next guest, He's the co-host of the Locked On Sooners podcast. He rejoins us after making a glorious debut, Josh Helmer. Good morning, Josh. How are you, brother? 
Good morning. Happy Monday to you. Could be better. Could have been better with uh, a couple of OU wins, but uh, obviously that was uh, not to be. But it's all it's all good in the neighborhood. What's up with you guys? It's going well. We have a, a baseball coach in Baton Rouge poaching guys for Major League Baseball to come and be his pitching coach, which is a little surprising that someone would leave being a pitching coach for a first-place team in Major League Baseball to come be a college pitching coach. But uh, I'm still trying to wrap my brain around that. But besides that, we're doing well. So let's let's talk about, look, obviously Oklahoma falls short of winning a national championship, but they were in the national championship series for the first time since, what, 1994, is it? Is that correct? So a long time coming. Lots to, you know, uh, lots to be proud of. Do you feel like this is possibly a breakthrough, breakout type of season for Oklahoma baseball? That's the hope. Uh, you know, anytime you go on this type of run and it's you're talking about that kind of a prolonged drought in 1994 is correct. That's the last time, obviously, that they won a national championship or played for the national championship. 2010 would have been what you go back to in terms of making it to Omaha in the College World Series. So, I mean, it's been a long time since they were on the College World Series stage. And they've gone through multiple coaching changes along that uh, along that path with Sonny Galloway to obviously Pete Hughes and now Skip Johnson. And, you know, really the, the Skip Johnson era here, while he, you know, had made one NCAA tournament appearance before, this is easily the, the best season in the Skip Johnson era. OU kind of felt like 2020 got taken away from them. I know they're not alone in that. There's plenty of other schools and programs that aren't just college baseball specific that feel that way, but OU felt like they had a staff that year that could have gotten them to Omaha. This kind of materialized, I don't want to say out of, out of nowhere, but it was surprising how this run happened for Oklahoma. The season didn't start out this way where this Oklahoma team had really the aspirations to get to Omaha. It just kind of was a team that kept getting better as they went and got red hot at the right time and wound up taking it all the way to the National Championship Series. So, sure, your hope is in a place where, let's call it what it is, Oklahoma baseball, and this is going to shock some of your listeners because it's just probably not the case down there. Oklahoma baseball has played second fiddle around here to Oklahoma softball. And their hope is that that's not going to be the case going forward. They were outnumbered in terms of fans at this Men's College World Series. It wasn't close in that regard. So that should be a little bit of a wake-up call to Oklahoma baseball fans and really just the Oklahoma alumni in general that, look, if you want to make this a regular occurrence and you want to get back here, first of all, you have to invest in the program, and that's from the booster's standpoint to get the stadium renovated. And then – you know, when you get to Omaha, it can't be quite that lopsided. Hats off to the old Miss fans. They were amazing. But uh, it wasn't really the greatest turnout from Sooner Nation. So you're hoping, right, that it's impressive to prospective recruits, that you can parlay this into future success. Time will tell. How important is it, Josh, for the program and the fan base to do that? And obviously we're talking boosters supporting the program as well especially with the uh, imminent move to the SEC, which, of course, had four teams of the eight in the College World Series. In six, right, if you want to go ahead and include Oklahoma and Texas into that mix. I think it's imperative. It it is because Oklahoma right now, 
man, they haven't been playing on a level playing field with some of their Big 12 counterparts in terms of, and, and not that Eldell Mitchell Park is a terrible venue. They've, you know, renovated it uh, a little bit, and now they've got the artificial infield that's uh, really, really nice and state-of-the-art, but the actual bare bones of Eldell Mitchell Park, it's it's not as good as the brand-new state-of-the-art facility at O'Brate Stadium that Oklahoma State opened. It's not as good as what Texas has in Austin, and it's certainly across the board Oklahoma isn't on that same pecking order with a lot of these SEC programs, say, and Ole Miss, who just won this national championship. So really you need that type of investment and backing and then just the support, right? If you want to make regular NCAA tournament appearances, obviously first and foremost you have to have the right talent and players in your program to win. I think they've got the right coach in Skip Johnson. I think this run you know, makes that pretty abundantly clear that they've got the right guy steering the ship here. But, uh, man, it'd, it'd be helpful, right, if on a Friday, Saturday, Sunday weekend series you have fans out at the ballpark making Oklahoma the type of environment that we saw Ole Miss turn the College World Series finals into. That hadn't really been the case at OU. Talking with Josh Hilmer from the Locked On Sooners podcast. He joins us here on RP3 and Company. All right, let's take the financial backing and fan support and just the athletic department support out of the equation here. Let's talk about just the team and how it's constructed. As someone who follows this team, who covers this team, what are going to be the, some of the big things that the coaching staff and the program is going to have to do, have to accomplish, if you will, this offseason to maintain this level of success of always being a team that's going to be in contention year in and year out and not be a one-year fluke? Well, they've got, obviously, they've, they've got a number of talented young guys that will be back and will be a part of this program. You think about Spikerman and, and Robertson and up and down the lineup, Wallace Clark, Jackson Nicholas, uh, Kendall Pettis is somebody that will be back. So they've got some core guys in terms of the lineup that will return that were a big part of this run for Oklahoma. Peyton Graham is someone that obviously is not going to be back in terms of their lineup. He's a star. Jimmy Crooks, again, uh, he'll be gone. Tanner Treadaway, who was a big piece of this, was a super senior. So they're replacing star power in terms of their lineup, finding out who uh, maybe they already have some of those guys on campus. Maybe they're coming in and this, signing this recruiting class. But they need to identify, again, some star power that they can get in that lineup. And then the other question will be, how do you replace Jake Bennett? And I think, how do you replace Kate Horton? I mean, Kate Horton, after what he did in the College World Series, you know, he's an interesting case study because he's actually he's a redshirt freshman. And as we discussed, you know, the last time I came on, he's coming off Tommy John surgery. But because of the way they've changed some of the, the MLB draft rules, he's actually going to be old enough to be draft eligible, even though he's a redshirt freshman. And the expectation is Kate Horton's not, not going to be back. And quite frankly, that makes sense after you go for 25 strikeouts. And I think it was 14 and a third innings pitched in your final two games at the College World Series. He made himself a lot of money uh, in these final two games in Omaha. So the question is going to be for OU, how do they fill out that Friday-Saturday portion of their staff now? Because they're clearly going to be replacing both Jake Bennett and Kate Horton. Josh, you mentioned, you know, softball cast a large shadow 
right, over there for the spring sports at Oklahoma. Do you still feel that way after this postseason run, you know, the fan support? Because down here in in Lafayette, the Raging Cajun softball program sells out all the time. Like The environment at Lamson Park for the softball program, which is always nationally ranked and everything like that, and has made runs to the Women's College World Series, is immense. And there's times where there's no problems getting that place packed for a 4.30 game on a Thursday when a Friday night game for the baseball team may struggle to fill. So we kind of understand that a little bit here. Does this one run change that? Do we all of a sudden now start to see more support, or is it still going to be softball, softball, softball? Well, again, one of the problems that kind of you run into is that I don't think there's any end in sight for Oklahoma softball. They're going into next season now. They brought in the – top pitcher in the country in Kirsten Deal. <laughs> yeah, they went and added uh, a great transfer arm in Alex Starocco, who had 300 strikeouts last year at Michigan. And, oh, by the way, they bring back probably the national front runner for player of the year going into next season in T.R.A. Jennings. They've uh, signed one of the top hitters in the country in Erickson. Uh, they went and got another power bat over from, I believe, Arizona State to transfer into Oklahoma. So, it's not changing. Oklahoma softball is going back to the women's college world series. They're the, you know, if, if you want to get into it, they're probably the odds on favorite to three Pete. So that's kind of just going to be there. The, the question for OU baseball is, can they remain competitive? Can they put out a product again next season? That is NCAA tournament worthy. And if they do, then I, I do think that this touched the heartstrings of Oklahoma fans. I mean, look, they made it to the national championship finals. I mean, that's going to grab your attention when you do that. But like many things in Oklahoma sports, Sooner fans won't like me saying this, but Sooner fans are a little fickle in the sense that they kind of don't always turn their antennas up for anything not named Oklahoma football unless you're great, unless you're really, really winning. We've seen that. We've run into that problem with Oklahoma basketball on a number of different occasions, and I don't think that magically – changes for OU baseball here you hope that again you know this caught the fan base's attention but I think they're gonna have to keep winning man Josh Hilmer locked on Sooners podcast joins us here on RP3 and company all right bud we talked briefly about this a few weeks back so I want to touch back on it again now that baseball and softball season's over we have some time just to enjoy Major League Baseball, but then football is going to be here. Media Day is going to be here in no time, and then the season will be here. I mean, it, it, the, the summer flies by, right? What's the excitement level for Oklahoma and Texas to join the SEC, and how do the fans feel about it? Because they've dominated the Big 12 since its existence, with the exception of Texas you know, sprouting up here and there. But the Big 12 has been their domain, and they've won national titles out of the Big 12. And they've competed for national titles in the college football playoff out of the Big 12. How do diehard Sooner fans feel about joining the SEC? They're so fired up. They cannot wait to get out to the SEC. If they could have it their way, and this is not every Oklahoma fan, there's some that like actually want to stay in the Big 12 conference until the grant of rights is up, just, just because they kind of look at it and they say, oh, man, that exit fee, why would we pay that when we could spend that, say, on facility upgrades? across the board and then really be geared up to join the the SEC. That's a minority 
and a pronounced minority of Oklahoma fans. If most Oklahoma fans could have their way, OU football would be playing in the SEC this season, in 2022. So fans are fired up about uh, about it. Oklahoma, you know, while they've been to these four college football playoff appearances, let's call it what it is, outside of the Rose Bowl against Georgia, and you could argue it was embarrassing in its own right, the defensive collapse that Oklahoma had in the second half of that game, but, hey, it was a classic at the Rose Bowl versus national runner-up Georgia. So that's the one of the four that you don't really look at and say, oh, you didn't belong. The other three, oh, you didn't belong. Alabama was up 28 to nothing over Oklahoma in that first quarter with, wait for it, Kyler Murray playing quarterback, if that gives you any indication. LSU wasn't even close versus LSU. So I think the prevailing thought for Oklahoma fans is, we got to get into the SEC to find out how to beat the SEC when it matters on that type of stage. Oklahoma's kind of tired of winning Big 12 championships as a fan base. It's, you know, there's some that like get it and feel like, hey, it's good to win a conference championship, but Oklahoma's not about winning conference championships. It's about its seven national championships, and they've had a desperately long wait for an eighth national championship. Haven't won one since 2000. So I think I think the overwhelming majority is like, hey, get us into the SEC and let's figure out how to beat these guys and play with the big boys to get us to where we're closer to number eight and can ultimately win number eight. I've got to ask you this before we break with you, Josh. What's the buzz about the new head coach in charge? I know Big Game Bob is a fan of them. Obviously, they have an existing relationship and he signed off on them. But what, what's the buzz like about the new man in charge? Well, I think he's a little bit of a benefactor here of the unusual exit by Oklahoma's standards. OU fans were blindsided when Lincoln Riley left the way that he did yeah. because that just doesn't happen at, at a place like Oklahoma. I know others look at it and probably feel differently about it, but at a place like OU, coaches, coaches just don't leave here. That's Historically, it doesn't happen. So that helps. Brent Venables, I think, a little bit because he gets to come in and ride the chariot into, you know, back into Norman. He's somebody that coached here and was, you know, had a ton of success, was a part of Oklahoma's last national championship in 2000 as one of the key components defensively. But, man, people are so excited for Brent Venables. He just has this really charismatic, likable personality. The vision that he's selling has been so well-received around here. He started up something called Soul Mission uh, at Oklahoma, which is really kind of an off-the-field program that's designed on less football stuff and more kind of away from football, mental health, uh, you know, uh, care. And I don't know. He's just some of the things that he's doing that aren't even football-related has people really excited that they've got the right leader in place. And then his track record, right? I mean, the guy was – a big piece of the puzzle over at Clemson. So people are over the moon. Josh, appreciate you coming on again, brother. Keep up the tremendous work. Tell the folks where they can go to get all the work that you're doing covering the Oklahoma Sooners. Well, you can follow me on the old Twitter sphere at Josh on ref, uh, nine to noon on KREF, uh, the ref here in Norman, Oklahoma city, Tulsa, you name it alongside Chris Plank. That's the radio side for me. And then uh, the Locked On Sooners podcast. Just check that out, OU fans. 
You can search it in, you know, anywhere you get your podcasts. But we're also on YouTube, so just search Locked On Sooners. You can find me. Josh, appreciate your time, brother. Enjoy your summer, and we'll be in touch, bud. Hey, anytime. You have a great rest of your day, and uh, thanks for having me on. It's Josh Elmer from Locked On Sooners Podcast. Good stuff there. We got to take a timeout. When we come back, we'll update the poll question of the day. You want to get those phone calls in, you can. Game hotline's open, 337-706-0111. You're listening to The Game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. June 27th, 1986. American tennis player Ann White shocks Wimbledon by wearing a white one-piece Lycra bodysuit in a first-round match against Pam Shriver. White would wear a regular outfit after the rain break. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Oh, the Houston Astros. They're one of the hottest teams in baseball. They're one of the best teams in baseball, as they proved that as them and the Yankees tussled this weekend for a four-game set, and they got the split, and the starting pitching was phenomenal. Bullpen needs a little work, but starting pitching was phenomenal over the weekend. You want to catch one of the hottest teams in baseball live in action? Not not a problem. Not going to be an issue, because guess what? We have a new Astros weekend getaway. That's right. The game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, wants to hook you up with our latest Astros weekend getaway. Houston takes on Seattle on Saturday, July the 30th, and you can be there. Simply register in the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com to score four tickets, a tour of Minute Maid Ballpark, hotel accommodations that Saturday night, Oh, man, we're going to cover it all for you. And you get to see the Strohs in person. Altuve, Bregman, Jordan Alvarez, and, of course, the rookie sensation, Pena. Astro Weekend Getaways are powered by Butcher AC, Le Meridian, Houston, downtown, and the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Let's check in on the poll question of the day. Oh, it's a good one. What was the big thing for you over the weekend? What was the big thing for you over the weekend? What was your favorite moment from the weekend? Mine was the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame weekend. That's why I voted other on our poll question. Had a tremendous time. Got to see and got to be part of something special, right? Kyle Williams, Eric Andelsek, Jari Evans, Susan Jackson, Brittany Sneed Newman, just to name a few. Got to see a few of my colleagues and friends of mine. Teddy Allen, our bud. From North Louisiana, he got inducted with the Distinguished Service Award. Garland Foreman as well. And, of course, the late, great Tony Robichaux was inducted as as well over the weekend. Big moment for his family. His son got to go on stage and uh, get to be interviewed and got to accept the award. And all in all, it ran off without a hitch, and I didn't drop any of the glass trophies. 
<laughs> which was the, the biggest accomplishment for me this weekend. Not dropping the award and making sure it was turned the right way for the photo ops. But what was your favorite moment from the weekend? Right now, 50% of you say Ole Miss winning the College World Series. 34% of you say the Houston Astros throwing that no-no combined no-hitter on Saturday against the vaunted Yankees lineup. And then 8% say the Colorado Avalanche or the Fighting Martins winning the Stanley Cup. Another 8% say other. It was a tremendous weekend. Hey, also, while we got a moment here, Travelers Championship. Going to talk a little golf here while we have a few minutes. Yes, we are. Xander Shoffley. He got himself a win. When we think of the big names in golf, and many of those bigger names or some of that name recognition is leaving to go for the Live Tour, the LIV Tour. I get it. But when we talk, we always focus on, we say, what, Roy McIlroy, we say Jordan Spieth, we say Justin Thomas. All right, we focus on those guys. A lot of us here in the state of Louisiana, we focus on Sam Burns because he's from Louisiana, and, of course, he played at LSU. But Xander Shoffley, man, don't sleep on him. He wins the Travelers Championship yesterday. Now, Figala has a disastrous 18th hole to pave the way for Shoffley, but Xander's game is really really good it just is it's really really good really really good and he gets the travelers championship victory there another win for Xander Shoffley one of the better young players young golfers on the tour but just as that is a successful Moment for the PGA Tour. Yet another golfer has departed the tour. Sources are saying that Matthew Wolf will be the latest to depart the PGA Tour. Now, he's had some struggles in recent months. Once again, that's another theme about what's happening in professional golf. A lot of these guys that are leaving to go join the Live Tour have been struggling. Brooks Kepka has been dealing with injuries and not performing well in majors. Bryson DeChambeau has been dealing with injuries and not performing well in most tournaments. Same thing with Patrick Reed, Phil Mickelson. So a lot of these guys, they have name recognition. They've had success. They have, you know, they have trophies. They have awards. They've won majors. Lots of them have been struggling in the last six to eight to ten months. That's become kind of a theme here. The guys have been struggling are the ones that are leaving to get the big paycheck to go play in the Live Golf Invitational Series. Wolf is only 23, though. He's the young gun. He's going to be playing in this week's event at Pumpkin Ridge in Portland, Oregon, the first to take place in the United States for the Live Tour. Wolf has that unorthodox swing about him, but made him one of the most popular young players on tour. He finished tied for 40th at the Travelers, though, at TPC River Highlands in Connecticut. Maybe his last PGA Tour stop. He was a star player at Oklahoma State, turned pro in June of 2019, and won less than a month later. He won the 3M Open, if you remember. He made a 26-foot eagle putt off the green to defeat Bryson DeChambeau and Colin Marikawa on the 72nd hole. He was tied for fourth at the 2020 PGA Championship, 
his first start in a major, and then was second at the 2020 U.S. Open at Wingfoot. But the last two years has been a struggle. So name recognition, younger guy leaving for the Live Tour. It just seems like every few days we get another defection, so to speak. We got to take a timeout. When we return here on RP3 and Company, oh man, we're going to talk Houston Astros baseball. Brett Chancey from the Locked On Astros podcast is going to be joining us, talking about that epic weekend series that felt like a postseason series and so much more. Do the Shros need to go out and get themselves a left-handed reliever? We'll ask him that. That's all coming up next right here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Sign up right now for the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com so you can score tickets, gift certificates, and more. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. It's time for an epic night of fights. UFC 276. 276 is here and two titles are going to be on the line. Get in on the action with DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC. New customers can bet $5 on any fighter to win and get $100 in free bets, win or lose. Whether it's a victory by KO, submission, or decision, you win no matter what. And with DraftKings same-game parlays, you can turn another small bet into a big payday. Combine multiple bets like which fighter will win, number of knockouts, and more. For UFC 276, you can place a same-game parlay, and if it hits, you'll win double. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now. Use promo code 1037GAME, bet $5 on any UFC 276 fighter to win, and get $100 in free bets no matter what. That's code 1037GAME this Saturday at DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC. Must be 21 years of age or older, to play physically present in Louisiana availability does vary by parish eligibility restrictions apply see draftkings.com sportsbook for full terms and conditions don't forget to vote on our poll question of the day what was your favorite moment of the sports weekend leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter but right now it's time for us to talk all things Houston Astros that's right Stros. hey If you're an Astros fan, you got to be happy about the split. Yeah, you would have liked to win the series, but it's clear to me that the Astros and Yankees are the two best teams in baseball, and they battled it out, and it felt like an October series, American League Championship series to me. We'll ask our next guest if he feels the same way because guess what? He's the co-host of the Locked On Astros podcast, making his RP3 and company debut. Brett Chancey joins us now. Brett, good morning to you, brother. How are you, my friend? Man, I'm doing good. I'm feeling really good today. You know, it was a split, but we were really a couple pitches, maybe a couple coaching decisions away from a sweep. And the two pitchers that no-hit the Yankees for 16 and a third innings are probably going to be in our bullpen come the playoffs and that's how good our rotation is let's start there because I think it was evident what based on what happened over the weekend I'd already felt this way but it just kind of put the the cherry on top 
the Astros have the deepest and best rotation in baseball, yes? Yes, yeah. And, I mean, that's that's with Lance McCuller still on the shelf and Jay Goderizzi still yet to come back. I actually had the um, privilege of going to see him play uh, here in Sugarland since it's right in our backyard. And, uh, you know, he looked good. Two innings, two strikeouts, two hits, two walks. But all in all, he looked comfortable. He didn't look like he was in any pain or discomfort. So having Jake Goderizzi back on the street, kind of he was on and on the uptick he was on, is going to bode well. And then once LMJ gets back, watch out, League, because uh, our starters are coming for you. I also want to talk about the fact that not only is this the case right now, without McCullers and without Odorizzi, you also have the best pitcher in AAA just dominating hitters, and you don't have a spot for him. Is there going to be a situation where you're going to call up the big fella from AAA? I, I really believe that we will call him up um, in a – I think they're getting him ready for a September run. You know, Hunter Brown was, has been excellent. <laughs> the same game that Jake Odorizzi started, um, Hunter Brown pitched the last five innings of that game, got a strikeout in each inning. And if – I don't know if your listeners know much about him, but he he looks like a young Justin Verlander. He's from Detroit. That's his idol. When he pitches, he pitches the same. He holds his glove the same. He's got the same leg kick. And he looks like he's gotten command of his breaking pitch. That was his concern coming into spring training. And he is dominating. They do a piggyback system in the Astros minor league. And so I think having Hunter Brown in there, even as a quote-unquote long reliever, if you, if you have a starter fizzle out, you can have him come in and sustain things. I wouldn't be surprised if him – and Sean Dubin are a part of the playoff roster when we get to September-October time. Why does Jose Altuve play so well in the Bronx? Because Jose Altuve is more mentally strong than about 90% of the Yankees fans in that stadium. Because, see, Jose Altuve came from humble beginnings, signed a $15,000 contract out of Venezuela, and he knows every day that he is, he's, he's very blessed to be where he is. And his training is elite, and his mental focus is elite. And I think, even though I think people say he's motivated by it, I just think he goes out there and he doesn't let anything affect him. He, he controls the circumstance. When Jose Altuve, a couple times in his career, has gone into slumps, he's tried too hard. But when he goes out there and just does what he knows how to do, that's Jose Altuve. He's one of the best hitters in baseball. And it doesn't matter what the Yankees throw at him. Every time they chant, he hits a home run. Your Alvarez has been on absolute tear. What's the ceiling for him just this season? Not moving forward, but just this season for the Cuban sensation. You're getting what the Astros Cuban scouts thought that you were getting when you got him for Josh Fields from the Los Angeles Dodgers. This kid's focus at the plate. I mean, he's 24, and he never gets rattled. He never gets upset. He's even keel. Almost almost like if you were to be in a conflict with this guy, like you'd be like, I don't know if this guy's about to go off or what he's going to do because he's so – the thing about Johan Alvarez is he prepares at the plate, he knows the pitchers, and he – waits on his pitch. He's a patient hitter. 
And not only does he hit home runs, he hits all parts of the field. And again, he's only 24. This year, he's having an MVP season. He's definitely one of the top three vote-getters for American League MVP. The other guy, obviously, is going to be Aaron Judge, who is is going to tear as well for the Yankees. Big takeaway from this weekend series, which felt like a playoff series to me. I'm not even an Astros fan or a Yankees fan, but it felt like October to me, is the fact that the bullpen needs another left-handed arm. Do you agree with that? I agree 100%. We are in need of a left-handed arm. I know Phil Matana is supposed to be your right-hander, but he throws. He, he, has, he has reverse splits, so he throws better against lefties. But excuse me, Phil Maton is, he has been somewhat pedestrian compared to what he was last year. He's still very good at times, but they do lack that left-handed arm. You know, that that home run that Aaron Judge hit um, off of Martinez, those were the first runs Martinez surrendered all year. Martinez has been nails. He hasn't given up a run. And so his scoreless inning streak ended. But we definitely need a left-handed arm of the bullpen and I really think that right there will shore it up. Um, we got to wait to see what we have in Jake Myers, too. But, yes, left-handed relief pitching is definitely what the Astros should be going after uh, when the trade deadline hits. We're talking with Brett Chancey, a Locked On Astros podcast. He joins us here on RP3 and Company. Let's talk about Alex Bregman. Do you believe he's turned a corner and we we're going to see him by the end of the year return to that? pre-2020 form of his or pre-2021 form rather yeah you know that's the hope it looks like he has fixed whatever he's been working on he had some kind of hitch in his swing I really think that hand surgery he had in the offseason has really done a number on him I mean the more you learn about baseball and cover it as much as we do the more you realize how technical it is as fans you go he's a pro why isn't he hitting well it's a round baseball and a round bat. And physics tell us if you do like these, if you break it down to an equation, the ball leaving the pitcher's hand to the hitting the bat, it's mathematically impossible for a human to swing and hit a ball, but we somehow do it. Alex Bregman has the preparation and the mental toughness, I think, to continue to fight through this, and he's looking better at the plate. And, hey, a little-known um, trivia fact about us, we have lived in Zachary, Louisiana for two years. The two years – that Alex Bregman was at LSU. We got to watch him play his freshman and sophomore year when we were in Louisiana. Our famous words coming back to Texas were, man, I really hope the Astros draft Alex Bregman. <laughs> Little do we know they would draft Alex Bregman. So we're big Tigers fans. Bregman appears to have turned a corner. What's your level of, I don't know, confidence that Yuli is going to get right? You know, that is a big question mark. I don't know. I would have thought by now that Yuli would have figured it out. This is what I think they're doing, and maybe they're looking at some first base help. I, I was looking at the free at the basically the trade pieces available for each team. Josh Bell appears to be the only person first baseman that I would even like consider going after. He would be a rental because he's an unrestricted free agent after this year. He's on the hook for ten this year. If you lead by the all-star break, doesn't turn it around, if I'm the Astros, I'm going to think, can we get some help at first base? The problem is, 
the, this clubhouse is so tight knit. When you hear people say, well, you need to, you need to like send Yuli down or you need to trade Yuli or he needs to retire or Malmato needs to go. It's like having these guys in the clubhouse means more to this team than what they're producing on the field. And unfortunately, those are the intangibles you can't measure as a fan and as an observer. Yuli's got to turn it around. I don't, I don't know if it's mental. I don't know if it's physical, but he's not the American League batting champion we saw last year. I want to ask you this, Brett. You know, Martin Maldonado, look, he, he can't hit, right? So we know that. But this guy, in a span of, what, a week and a half, caught not one but two immaculate innings, which had never been done in a single game before in Major League Baseball history. And he also caught a combined no-hitter. Is he a gold-glove catcher in your opinion okay (laughs) he was yes he is this year he hasn't had a great year defensively behind the plate overall because i mean if if you go to the numbers numbers don't lie but his value his value and how he studies the game his value in understanding the at bat the situation there's nobody else that does a better job than Maldonado for this club, and there's nobody that this club trusts more than him. I, I still think. I mean, it, it, if he watches, the guy can at least move. He can catch some pop. He can catch some line drive pop ups behind the plate. He does some amazing acrobatic type things. I still think when Maldonado is on his game and he gets the pitchers focused, he's as much a Gold Glove catcher as he was a few years ago. Has his have his skills declined because of age? Of course, that's 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 nature. That's what happens. Um, you know, time is undefeated, right? But Maldonado, when you look at what he does and how he sustains himself despite his lack of a bat, he's a very valuable catcher. He may not be playing at a Gold Glove level, but he has that potential every game to give you that. Brett, great stuff. Appreciate you making the time, brother. Tell the people how they can follow you on social media and where they can go to get all your work covering the Astros. Yeah, um, you can find me at H-Town Wheelhouse on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, you can find me at Stros411, that's T-R-O-S-411, at Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. And you can find the show at Locked on Astros on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And please, if you're on YouTube, subscribe to our YouTube channel, Locked on Astros. Tonight, I've got Luke Berryhill, catcher from the Corpus Christi Hooks, phenomenal job. You'll have to go back, listen to Joe Thon, son of Dickie Thon I had on, the manager of the Fayetteville Woodpeckers. We got a lot of cool stuff on there. Check out player interviews, subscribe to us, interact with us when we're live. We'd love to talk with our fans. So thank you all so much for your support. Thanks for having us on. I remember Locked on Astros. We are your team every single day. Brett, can't wait to talk to you again, brother. Enjoy your week, bud. Yes, sir. Oh, hey, and guess what? Thursday, I believe the Yankees Astros game is gonna is gonna square up to be, end up being Justin Verlander versus Garrett Cole at Minute Maid Park. Woo! Box office again, brother. Thank you for your time, bud. Yes, sir. Go Astros. We gotta take a timeout. We'll finalize the poll question of the day and get you updated with that information and get you prepared for Kevin Foot and Footnotes. That's all coming up next right here on The Game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.
You're listening to The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the best local sports talk in southwest Louisiana. Oh, man. Great show. Great way to start off the week, wasn't it? Jeff Palermo joined us from Tiger Rag Radio, talking all things LSU. They make a big splash over the weekend during the College World Series, hiring Wes Johnson away from the Minnesota Twins. He's their pitching coach. By the way, the Twins are in first place in the AL Central. He's leaving a Major League Baseball job to come be the pitching coach at LSU. Jay Johnson being aggressive this offseason, and Tiger fans are here for it. Josh Helmer joined us from the Locked On Sooners podcast. Oklahoma falls short of winning their first national championship in baseball since 1994 as they lost two games to none to the Ole Miss Rebels. But future looks bright in Norman, especially with them joining the SEC in less than two years. And then Brett Chancey, co-host of the Locked On Astros podcast. That weekend series was epic. It felt like October postseason baseball between the Yankees and the Strohs, and they'll get back at it again on Thursday. That's a makeup game on Thursday, and that'll be at Minute Maid. You heard Brett tell us Justin Verlander versus Garrett Cole, former teammates for the Astros, dueling inside Minute Maid ballpark. It's going to be a heck of a ball game. Final results of the poll question of the day. We asked you, what was your favorite moment from this weekend? Was it Ole Miss winning the College World Series? Was it Houston Astros throwing a no-hitter on Saturday? Was it Colorado winning the Stanley Cup, or was it other? 49% of you say Ole Miss winning the College World Series. 32% say Astros no-no. 11% for the Stanley Cup, and 8% say other. I went with other because not only did I have a great time at the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame induction weekend, but it was Friday night. It was Friday night. Daughter's dance recital. She was awesome. She did a great job. And anytime you get to see uh, your kid, in my case, uh, baby girl, do something well and love doing it, she has a passion for it, that's always going to be the highlight. For the intern extraordinaire, Daryl, not to worry, Daryl, you still have that. Producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names. I am the big, bald, and beautiful one, Raymond Parsh III, better known as RP3. We'll do it all again tomorrow, 6 to 9. But until then, be safe out there. Be kind to one another. Kevin Foote and Footnotes is up next here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers in Houston Astros.